That First Step podcast. Today's show is amazing. And I know I'm biased because the people I interview inspire me. So I hope they inspire you too. Today's guest is another female. I know there is a trend, but believe me, it's worth the listen. Her journey is incredible. From just finishing school to what she has achieved to now, she has really made a huge impact on the art world. And I hope her journey through creating her business can inspire you too. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Okay, so we're recording. Fantastic. Holly, thank you so much and welcome to that First Step podcast. How are you today? So good. Thank you so much for having me on, Jess. I'm so excited. Oh no, my absolute pleasure. Um, to those who don't know, Holly Ingram is the most incredible artist. Her work is on Instagram. It's She even illustrated a book. It's incredible. But before we get into all of that, because we all want to hear her journey, let's start at the very beginning. So Holly, what did you do in school and what did you want to be when you grew up? I love this. I love that you started with this question as well in the other podcasts. I binged all of the um, content today, this morning. <laughs> um, but I didn't start there because it actually brought me back and it made me think about it. Um, and really, I've been obsessed with art since I could draw, since I was a little kid. And in college, that's what I did as well. Um, and it made me think what you said about sort of taking the gamble on yourself. And I was like, when have I done that? And I looked back and I thought, on my CAO, I only had one choice down. Amazing. <laughs> and my, my careers advisor was like banging her head off the desk, like, come on, you need backups. Not everyone gets into NCAD on the first try. And she said, what will you do if you don't get in the first time? And I just said, I guess I'll try again next year. <laughs> so I've always kind of been a, that's all I've wanted to do. I probably should have maybe thought about some backups and had some career options because uh, as I might get into, you know, they don't exactly prepare you for that. Um, but I love that your podcast explores that. It's actually the specifics because everyone can talk about oh, I dreamt of being this when I was little and then I became it. And you're like, well, what happened in between? How did you get there? And I crave that content. So I need that as well. Um, so that's a roundabout way of saying, I suppose I've always wanted to be an artist. Since I was very little. Oh, no, that's so good. I actually said uh, recently, I was chatting with my friend Ben, who also went to NCAD, and I was saying how I did junior cert art, and I was so like impressed with it. And he was saying, "Why didn't you do leaving cert art?" And I remember at the time, my mom saying, "Jess, like you need to do science or business. You know, you spend all this time sketching till three a.m. Onions and peppers and oranges." So I totally get what you mean. You kind of get lost, don't you? It's like meditative. It is. It's so meditative. And I think it's always been my therapy. It's always been my coping mechanism. But you're right. It's so vast. There's so much to explore. It's all about finding yourself and your style that you might be halfway through your art degree like I was and wondering what is going to happen at the end of this? Where is this going to lead to? And um, yeah, in my case, I wasn't exactly prepared for that, but <laughs> still figuring it out as I go, you know. <laughs> of course. So you, I'm guessing NCAT worked out? It worked out, I suppose. I mean, 
it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was my ultimate dream. And when you find out, um, you do the portfolio, usually they advise you take a year out after school and anyone who's listening who's been to our college, they know you do a portfolio to get in and you can do that within your sixth year and just try and get straight in, or you can take a year out and do your portfolio. And I was just chomping at the bit that I essentially threw my leaving cert out the window and spent the whole time in the art rooms. Uh, I even admitted to my parents recently that I forged a lot of notes. See, when you're good at drawing, you're also good at forgery. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) I thought I was Frank Abagnale, you know, like um, from Catch Me If You Can, just forging my mum's signature to get out of any and every class to go and do my portfolio. And I got it done in about two weeks. Wow. So that probably not advised but I had an amazing art teacher Miss Dalian Andrews she was amazing um and she really supported me but I just spent I got completely lost in it and obsessed with it and then you find out that you get in kind of before the leaving cert even comes around so you find out I think it was April time oh wow didn't know that that's great yeah so you kind of know that you have it and you're not because you don't really all you need is to maybe pass a few subjects at sea level or higher so it's obviously not that academic and so I found out that I was in but then it was a sprint to get the leaving cert points just in case. And then my careers advisor was like, well, you only have one choice on the CEO. So those points are just for your own self. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then went to NCAD straight away after school. And to be honest, it was quite a, a 50-50 experience for me. I'd say I nearly dropped out four or five times. Oh, well, that's so interesting. How come? I think I got very lost in it. Um, okay. I- I went in, I, I'm like a skill-based artist, as, as you probably know, like it's drawing that I love doing. Like he's saying, staying up till 3am drawing peppers and onions. I relate to that hugely. It's drawing, it's perfecting the craft. I love laboring over drawing and just making it as realistic and as, as good as I can. And then you get into a place like NCAD. It's a concept college, not a skill college. So they're more about the big idea and what's behind it. And let's talk it to death, but not really, oh, that's a beautiful oil painting, A+. So you, your skills mean nothing to them. You don't go and learn anything. Um, you're self-taught in your skill. So I crumbled in there, to be honest, and my confidence just crumbled. Like on your first day, they tell you to take out your favorite bits of your portfolio and you get this lovely blank space and you think, oh my God, my workspace, it's like <laughs> a beautiful blank wall. And then they say like, put up what you're proudest of, what your favorite pieces are that you did that got you into the call and into NCAD. And I put up my bits and then they kind of, this kind of beardy guy goes around stroking his beard and kind of judging everyone. And it's like, everyone can hear, you know, everyone's like waiting with bated breath to be judged. And he goes, this is fantastic to someone, you know, do 10 more of these, really explore this. And then to the next person, he'll go, oh, I love what you've done with this. It evokes this type of thing. And he's encouraging them this way. And I was kind of looking at their stuff, like one person just had dots on the wall. And I was like, Ugh, I'm going to be way better than that <laughs> I was, you know, I had my paintings that I'd spent like 80 hours on and I was so proud of. And he came over and he was like, take all of this down. You don't get what I'm asking you to do. And I was like, oh my God. He said, you're a drawer, not an artist. If you want Mm -hmm. to become an artist, we'll help you to do that. But you need to explore concepts. This isn't a place to draw pretty pictures. It has to mean something. And while he's totally right, I was just crushed instantly. And I didn't know what, 
what to do with that, where to go with that. Um, and it's kind of like this blind exploration. You do a first year, which is like you explore everything. So it's a foundation year and you can try textiles, glass, um, you know, everything, painting, sculpture. And I just wanted to draw, 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 get better at drawing, make, you know. Um, and so I got so lost, Jess. I just didn't know where to be going. And I would try so hard. I'd stay up all night trying to do the best with the brief we had on that module. And then again, I'd have someone next to me who would have like an apple in a jar of water and they'd get an A plus and like, not that they did A, B, C, but they, they would get like the, the higher grade and I get nothing. And I was like, wow. So, I mean, I started to try to kind of get it. You know, I understand you need to have substance to your work. And I suppose I didn't know who I was. And I was just a kid who loved drawing and loved art. And I didn't really know what my story was or what my narrative was. And there were these really incredibly confident kids coming in that were just, you know, telling a story through the work, whether it was just an apple in a glass of water, it, they, they could talk it up. They knew the jargon on, I didn't. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I just, I lost belief in myself. My confidence in my art was at an all time high leaving school. You know, I got into art colleges, my other two friends that I did the portfolio with in the art room, they didn't get in. So I was like, Oh my God, I got in. Now I got to go do something with it. It was like all time high. And I think a lot of artists might, you know, relate to the fact that you go from being like the best at art in school to just being one of everyone who's amazing at what they do in art college. So it's like, you know, big fish, small pond versus small fish, big pond, however it goes. So I just basically, I, I disappeared in that environment and I nearly didn't make it through. Um, I think I just loved that guidance. I wanted someone yeah. to tell you know, like, like what you um, are doing with um, that first step is kind of saying, well, if you want to become an artist who sells art, how do you sell it? How do you market yourself? Like Neith Kyo was talking about learning your market and doing all these things. Like I would have drank that in, but that's just not what they gave you. So it's not to put down NCAD as a college. It just wasn't for me. And I kind of skated through and I, they failed me on a lot of things that I thought I would do well in. And I did well on things that I hated. And it's so subjective. I struggled with that. Yeah. No, Holly, I like even after those first couple of minutes there explaining that, it really opens your eyes. And I think that's why my mom, like I take things to heart. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm such a sensitive soul that when I was in school, she's like, Jess, you're good at math. You're either right or you're wrong with maths. Do more of that because yeah. at least you can learn and it's logical. And that's where too I struggled with English or art because it was so subjective that you often thought, wait a sec, but I thought that was great. Or I put my heart and soul into that. And the things, as you said, were not your, as in maybe not as much passion went into it. You couldn't understand. And how did you think they knocked your confidence? My heart's broken as well. I'm like, oh, I would at one point, um, pretend to go to art college and I would go and hide out in my sister's apartment so my parents think I was going to college I was so scared of my tutors and I don't want to put anyone off god I, I think I just was a very as you say I was high I'm a HSP highly sensitive person <laughs> always have been um but like that I wear my heart on on my sleeve like you like you do and I think it's it's designed to toughen you up and particularly yeah. like like um you know, the fashion department was known for if you didn't cry, you know, well, you didn't really get what 
the tutor was saying to you. Um, again, I'm so scared of putting anyone off. No, but. no, Holly, I think especially now that, you know, the Leaving Cert's all been upended and this current crisis, I feel like a lot of people are looking inward and they're using this time to reflect and to understand what surely makes them happy? Because when all of the, you know, the trips away, the events, even the trip into town on a Saturday, getting a cup of coffee and walking, when all that's taken away, you really have to be happy with what you're doing. It's so true, Jess. Oh my God. And I, in this time, I feel like art is like a little warm hug. It's like your best friend that's just there for you on a rainy day when you can't see your best friend. Yeah. Like you can always into this world and it's there for you anytime but it's like I suppose I'm going too far on my analogies here but it's sort of like a plant you know if you're not watering it and taking care of it it won't take care of you and it's the daily practice thing just like any passion is but it's been there for me in this time and I'm like you know you're such a bubbly friendly outgoing person I would consider myself the same but I also have a very introverted side and I'm like thank god for that introverted side that I kind of nourished as a kid because it looks after you in these times. 100%. Yeah, really has. No, no, that's great. So Holly, you did NCAD. Thankfully you survived it and you <laughs> left <laughs> just about exactly. And you left, you know, your happy self. And now you said you didn't really have the support maybe in NCAD of, you know, the marketing element, the what do I do next? Almost the, the career side of art what did you do next? So what I did next was, I remember the first day out of college, I started my first full-time job and everyone was like going off traveling and doing all these things. I'm like, I am getting to work because I'm just like, art isn't going to pay me a dime. Nobody. And I spent summers working all the way through college. I would work in pubs and stuff. And I would do like, you know, the window, that type of stuff. I would paint kids' faces at birthday parties. But I think my scope of what I could, how I could make money through art was so small, was so, you know, local fair type of thing. I had no concept of the bigger picture and e-commerce and all the things to come in the future. So I just dove into work. I worked in a place called Wimmer Lane Studios just as a runner, like getting the tea and coffee for people who would come in to record um, actors and stuff like that. And I learned a huge amount there, but for, I'd say the years straight after college to the age, I want to say 26, I turned my back on art almost completely. And it's, it's mad. I've really only got back into it in the last three years. I mean, I never stopped drawing. I, all the way through, I, like you say that the rainy day by myself, I was journaling, drawing, and it was still my first love. I didn't share it with anyone. I didn't have an Instagram for art. I didn't do anything. It was kind of like my dirty little secret that I had been to art college and wasn't doing anything with it. I think I felt a bit, I don't know, shame with that or something. Um, and meanwhile, I just went headfirst into the workforce, not really knowing where to put myself there either. So I think a lot of people, especially creative people who are trying to find that balance, they get very lost in the kind of early to mid 20s because they're like, oh, dear, the creative pursuit I thought was going to really reward me at this time isn't. And I don't know where else to put myself. So I worked in then in salons full time, loved that crazy hours, funny times of working and stuff like that just kind of drawing to myself whenever I had time I was just drawing constantly um and I had my sort of Oprah aha moment <laughs> oh tell me more this is why we have this <laughs> so this was it was kind of through a sad story but it was a, a, 
life basically just shook me up at one point and I got a big slap in the face being like, why the F are you not doing what you love with your life? So I had a close friend pass away from suicide um, almost three years ago now. And she and I were, we were both receptionists at the time, but like we were secretly artists. So she'd be like, oh, I'm just a receptionist. And I'd say, oh, I'm just a receptionist. But we would be very much the same in that way. Um, and it just struck me as like, you know, when we've all heard these, I'm sure one of these stories has touched almost everyone now, but unfortunately, but that bubbly person that you're like, they had everything going for them. They're so confident. They're so talented. Look at this, look at that. But just wasn't fulfilled. And it was just, I think when you get your first shake of grief in life, it, you never know when it's going to be obviously, but it can really make you look at yourself and it can be a kind of selfish experience, which is, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, um, but it shook me up and I thought, what the hell am I going to do? I need to, I feel like I need to commemorate this girl. I feel like I owe it to her to follow my dream in a way. Um, and I heard many people say, if you're really going through a hard time, if you're depressed, if you've lost someone, if your anxiety is at an all time high, you'll be able to take yourself out of that pain by doing something for someone else. Or, yeah. you know, if you do a bit of charity or something, it'll get your mind, you get you out of your own head. Completely. So, you know, I had this idea, I said, I want to do something in her name for Suicide or Survive Charity. It's an Irish suicide charity, which is amazing. And I just started drawing. So um, every day I auctioned off a piece of art um, in, and they were all themed in yellow. Yellow was her color and everyone was wearing yellow to funeral and everything. And such a happy color for someone who was hiding sadness and there was some, something interesting in that anyway. And um, so every day just drew away and this was my focus. And I, I was working full time, but I was staying up late. I was drawing my piece and whether someone wanted to donate 10 euro or 50, I'd send it anywhere around the world. And so I did this for, I don't even know how many days, maybe 30 days. And I was like, if I make 200 euro, it, it'll just be nice to tell her family that, you know, this was for her. But it ended up being like almost 2000 euro and it blew me away, but it just lifted me up. Like I was like, oh my God, I've made a little bit of a difference, you know? Hi, that is, like now that you say that, because it's so funny, as soon as you said it lifted you, it's so funny. My grandfather passed away a couple of years ago and we were best pals and he passed away in the January and I was living in Boston at the time and I came back to Boston and, you know, I was quite upset, but I was like, no, he wouldn't want me to be upset. He'd want me to be happy. And I'm not a runner, Holly. Like I am a Pilates yoga. I'm, I'm a, you know, that kind of gal. And my friend, Katie, who I adore, she said to me, Jess, I'm running a marathon in San Francisco. Will you come and do it with me? And mm. I said, I've never ran 5K, Katie. <laughs> I'll, I'll actually injure myself. So I met her halfway. I said, I'll train for a half marathon. And like that, I still huge. Oh, I was, I was so smug. Like I was so chuffed. <laughs> so then as like similar to you, I said, I'm going to raise money for the hospice. And I raised over 2,000 euro. And I was, yeah, I know. I was so concentrated for months. You know, that kind of a way. It, my yeah, it focus. Is... Yes, yes. And, and I trained. Was... Yeah, no, it's sorry. When, sorry to everyone listening. When you record on Zoom, it cuts someone out. That's why half the time I'm nodding at Holly instead of actually <laughs> reacting to her. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I trained for months. And I was so focused, as you said. 
And then at the end of it, I crossed the finish line. I started bawling crying. It was like this release. Oh, Jess, that actually brings tears to my eyes. I know that feeling so much because you go from feeling helpless, like in grief, you're helpless. In death, we're helpless. There's nothing you could have done for your grandfather. Like there's, you know, with suicide, sometimes you think there's something I could have done, but ultimately it's to accept the fact there was nothing you could have done. And then at the end of something like that, you've done something. And it's kind of just in good faith that that goes somewhere like karmically or to them or they, it's, it's, it's something that, that's in their name. It's so special. And I know that 2000 euro might feel like a drop in the ocean, but oh my goodness, like what it means to that hospice or what it meant to um, my friend Zazu's family, I know was, was a lot. So, and it just, it gives you this whole new lease of life, doesn't it? Oh yes. And I mean, like you said, you just... You feel, and you smile, like you really smile for the first time in what might have felt like months. You're like, and you know, it's like they're there with you in that moment. It does. It's so true. It connects you to them, I think, again. Um, and that was really it. Like when I look back, that was the little switch that just said, well, after that was over, after the fundraiser w- was done and I'd set my date and I'd given the money to the charity, I was like, oh dear. I kind of got this little bit of a panic of, I don't have a piece to draw tonight to give away. And I was like, well, I'm just going to draw one anyway. And then my practice just like kicked in. It was kind of like mechanical. As soon as I got home from work, I was straight into the art, straight into the art, straight away. And then I found, um, I went to Art Source in the RDS, which is this amazing art fair. And um, that was that was around the time, that was in the November, shortly after um, my friend had just passed. and. Um, my boyfriend at the time, now fiance, he was like, come on, we'll take you to look at some art. Like, that's what you need. Like, get out of the house and see some beautiful art, get inspired to do something. And we looked around and I just like, I just filled up with this crazy purpose. I was like, I'm going to be here next year. I don't know how. I don't know how much it costs. I don't know how to do it. But I just was like, I'm, this is what I am doing. And I, that is my goal now. And I just felt this insane fire to do it. And I did everything I could to get there the next year. <laughs> Put every penny I had into a stand. Those of you who've like done the RDS or anything, it's bloody expensive. <laughs> but we got there in the end. And that was kind of that was kind of what started me off. Holly, that I didn't know that. So context, I see Holly, well, I used to see Holly every day in work. I'd have to walk past her to go to the bathroom, to go <laughs> to the kitchen. And we all know I drink about 10 cups of tea a day. So that was a lot. And Regardless of the mood I was in, Holly has just the most warm smile and energy. So I'm so happy that I get to see her again today. I'm so chuffed. Oh, Jess, like, and similarly, everyone who knows Jess knows that she is like a walking fashion show. I would see this fabulous thing, glowing skin, stunning outfit, like iconic white boots, just march into the kitchen and just burst of energy. Oh my God. And then after you go in the door, everyone be like, she's so gorgeous. All the girls in that's like, she's so stylish. She's so beautiful. You're literally a walking ray of sunshine. Oh, thank you. And thank you. Oh my God. I'm actually blushing mad. Um, so Holly, that's incredible. So you were in the RDS. Thank you so much to Mr. Fiance. No wonder he put a ring on it. Thank goodness. So you got to the RDS. Um, you saw that you're going to be here in one year. You manifested. You said, I'm going to put in all the steps. So be specific. How did you get there a year later? I love that this is what you focus on and this is what I would be looking for something like this to try and 
do the same thing. So it's, it's really, I mean, it's fairly straightforward in terms of you want to get something like an art fair. Um, a lot of people are, a lot of people, some people ask me like how I got to the exhibition stage, like how I created a body of work. Um, I think everyone might overthink which I was, I didn't want to go back into the NCAD mind frame of, I need this concept, I need this message. I felt like I kind of gathered a message through what I did for my friend, Zaza, was I want to lift people up and I want to give a message of positive mental health. And I think unconsciously I was imbuing that sort of message through the work. So it was a lot of like, you know, figurative stuff. And so to put that into a specific, into a step, um, that was sort of just deciding what I wanted the body of work to be. So I said, just mental health, beautiful colors, beautiful people. And it's sort of, in a way, two fingers up to the NCAD tutors who say you can't draw pretty pictures. I said, I'm drawing the prettiest damn pictures I want and I'm putting them on these walls. And whether they sell or not, that is a huge win for me. <laughs> so just creating a body of work that felt true for me. I put a date on it. So obviously the date of the show, but before then, and then in the meantime, I was just trying to do the little bit of market research of what might people be into? I might need to cut down on, like, I mean, when I really went into the mental health stuff, there was a lot of like mouths dripping in blood and there was a lot of like goth stuff. And I think that just needed to come out. <laughs> but I kind of, you know, I reined that in a little bit for the more commercial audience. So I would say, take a look at your audience. Who's showing up to that exhibition? Who's showing up to that fair? Um, and it was a lot of kind of, old ladies who wanted something nice for the conservatory, you know? So I don't think they were wanting anyone with uh, faces dripping in blood. Right <laughs> in the inner sort of emo kid. <laughs> um, and then I guess like a, a social media presence or an, and I wouldn't be the, the best person on that, but I kind of just winged it with that. Um, and even though I knew I wasn't good, even though I knew at, at social media that was, and my website wasn't the coolest in the world, I kind of just got a bit more consistent with it. I was like, I don't care what I'm putting up. I'm just, I'm just posting three times a week. So I was just a little bit of presence there, knowing when and knowing what I would say. That's still quite broad. But. <laughs> no, Holly, that is so good because you're my third guest. So thank you so much. But across these three, um, you know, recordings, I've noticed the theme is always launch and adapt, launch and adapt. Yeah. That's so true. And when Neve spoke about her steps, um, I really felt a parallel, even though what she's a yogi and she's, you know, it's a completely different um, area she's working within, but it's so true. You need to know when is it happening, who's showing up to it or who's consuming it and what do they want? Bear, bear that all in mind. But, um, and adapt, like you say, it needs to be a super adaptable thing. So I was absolutely winging it. Um, but then after Art Source, um, I met this wonderful person there who an artist called Dara Lynch who's like the Irish Caravaggio by the way like I'd say a few people would definitely know his name he's unbelievable oil painter and he gave me loads of amazing advice he told me the specifics of if you're going to do a show you need to buy this buy this don't buy that do this do that don't do this and I just drank that all in as okay I'm running to the next show and there's this um festival down in Kerry I'm obsessed with Kerry and I know that you're in Cork next door um and it's called K-Fest and so it's a basically um what would they call it an emerging artist festival I think is what they call it so their first chance which I love it's just to do whatever you want throw whatever you want against the wall and see if it sticks um 
and they occupy loads of um, derelict spaces in a town. So a town that sort of during the boom, things didn't get fully built and they adapted these spaces into artist spaces and you get to just go put your stuff up on the wall for the whole weekend and there's loads of cool stuff happening and you get to do your first exhibition. So I did that then afterwards and oh my God, like I didn't realize that networking could be a natural thing or, and you know, those lovely people that I met down in Kerry are still the people who are purchasing my prints and, you know, getting things for their loved ones on their birthdays and stuff. So that was kind of my next step. Um, and then from there, I kind of had this little like master sort of list of things I wanted to achieve or things I wanted to try. And again, I kept that very much close to the chest. <laughs> And I just kept, and I wanted to, I wanted to do books. I wanted to do album covers for people. I wanted to, um, to do animations and just branch out. And it's kind of insane. But since I wrote that mission statement, they, they do, they just start to happen. (laughs) Manifestation is key. I have this notebook and the first page is just goals. And you know what? It's always near my laptop. If someone sees it, fine I mean who's in my house anyway you know isolation <laughs> but like as in I it's mine and I know it's going to happen and I look at it every day and I picture it and you're right it's you're telling the universe that these are the things I'm going to do not necessarily in this order but I want you to know it's coming so like watch out I'm telling you it's all like if anyone wants to try this just bloody try it I know it sounds really batty but we were walking around that art fair and um, my fiance Jack can tell you that this is a true story. <laughs> he loves very different art than me. So he, um, he likes kind of mad abstracts, big, crazy, like masculine brushstrokes and all that stuff. And I'm like pretty art and pretty hair and pretty faces. So it's completely opposite. And he pointed out this mad abstract and he was like, I love that. I want that. And it was like four grand, five grand, something. Um, and I was like... <sighs> I could paint you one of those in two hours. You know, I was doing, I was doing the thing you should never do about other people's art. <laughs> and um, I said, why do you like it? And he said, it looks exactly like the album cover for my favorite band. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he was like, only I would know that, but I just love that, that album so much. And, um, and I was like, oh, they should, if they're that big of a band, they should definitely have better art. <laughs> I was slagging the piece. It was not nice of me. And he was like, oh, do you think you could do better? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, go ahead, try um, email them do it and I was like maybe I will then like you know and I did and they offered me to do their album artwork <laughs> so I was like, but I think it was almost like a throwaway thing I was like if it happens if it, ha- it happens it's meant to be I'm just proving a point because I'm obviously very stubborn <laughs> um but it was that easy to connect with that person go to go directly to the source I would say anyone who wants to get involved in something just message the person who runs the show don't be afraid um because anytime I did that it worked out yeah I think people always are almost afraid to go towards people and it's like why we're all humans the same day obviously we can say oh my god that person is so intimidating or they have achieved so much and that's incredible but then why not gravitate towards it to learn from them? Like, hey, you have incredible experience. I look up to you. Do you mind having 15 minutes and sharing some of that with me? 
Exactly. I mean, Jess, I know when that first step becomes one of the top downloaded podcasts in Ireland in absolutely no time at all, because I know it's happening. <laughs> I know that if someone starts out their journey and is taking that first step themselves and they come to you, I know you'd be so giving of your time and you'd say, well, if I was in your position, I would have loved someone to help me. So, you know, you walk that talk um, and it just shines through you. But um, yeah, when it comes to that, that was kind of like, oh my God, I realized anytime I tried it, it worked. And I was like, oh man, I need to go bigger with this. I need to, I need to do something crazy. <laughs> and it, it's the subtle things as well. Like you say, the notebook that you have on your desk, that only you know what the contents of it is, but those messages are going out into the universe every day because you're keeping them top of mind. Um, I, there's an amazing lady in Salesforce called Claire Kelly. I don't know if you know Claire. So Claire, um, she works in the customer success side. And the irony is I don't even know what her proper job title is because I only know people like to chat to. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't really care what people do for a living, it's bad. Um, but Claire, she has a good intentions initiative in Salesforce. And it's all about like putting your, setting your intention before anything that you do. And I was chatting away to her. Um, she's one of these people that you will just connect with and chat away to till kingdom come like yourself. And she asked me what intention I put into my work. And I was like, mm, I've only ever once done an artist statement. And she's like, and what did it say? And I said, well, I said, I don't, I didn't really believe it at the time. And I was like, actually, when I look back, that's exactly what's happened. So it was like, I wrote this bio, it was meant to be like a one sentence thing. And it ended up just solidifying exactly what I did. Um, so what, what were the words exactly? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it was. I think it was just, I represent strong women. Um, I think that was it. Because I, I hate these really like, I don't know, you've heard these like um, third person. So if it was yourself, be like, Jess Looney is an artist in, who lives in Southern um, Dublin and this and that. And she works in all this and that. And it's just very arsy, if I can be honest. I said, okay. I just want one sentence. Bam, I represent strong women. And she made me realize that after that, like strong women came to me, like came to me. You're another strong woman who has just come into my life. Not that you've just come into my life, but you know, you've given a platform and a voice to me. So after that happened, the first, um, the first strong woman who came to me was uh, Clodagh Finn. She's an Irish writer and she, and I ended up illustrating her book, which is about strong women's history. So even the message of the story was very fitting. Um, and then I ended up speaking to two lovely ladies who ended up um, putting my stuff in their shop, in a gift shop in Kerry. And they, were, they then said, well, you do this mural. It's about strong women. We want it on the side of the wall. And I was like, wow, more strong women coming my way. <laughs> and it just kept going like that. It was just strong women after strong women. And it kind of just solidified, you know? Sorry, yeah. that's such a wrap. <laughs> no, no, Holly, I love it because you're so right. You are creating, right, it's so funny because obviously we're all isolated now and my boyfriend hears all of my calls and everything I say, she God love him. I don't know how he still lives with me, but I hate the word brand because, oh, your brand, your brand, your brand, right? But I don't have another word for it. <laughs> so until I do, once you put out there your brand, if you will, and your identity. People gravitate towards that. And then you become associated like that. Like that's who you are. So when you say, I represent strong women, 
they almost lose the rest of the sentence and they see strong woman. I want that. That's powerful. That's positive. Give me more. And then you just keep going and going and going. Exactly. It was like a really organic thing. And it's funny because it was something that I so rejected doing, which is doing the artist bio, stating what you are, the concept. It was just triggering me back to NCAD failure. I was like, I'm not going to say what I am. Um, if anything, I'm an unapologetic aestheticist who doesn't care if you, don't, if you just think it's pretty. <laughs> oh my gosh, brilliant. But you know, I don't want to be like trolling the art world by being like, I don't care what you think, because that is so pointedly caring what they think, you know. And I think the strong woman thing, it just, it was so natural. I think it's what I aspire to, you know. So every strong woman I represent, you just, you do learn something from each one. And that's kind of what's happened in the last couple of years. And even any other little opportunity, it's always centering around that. Not that I'm trying to stay in that box, but you know, it's just been incredible. So yeah, I'm slowly yeah. taking off that list. Um, we've got the album artwork, we've got the book, and at the moment I'm working on an animation. So that's uh, very cool too. Hi, that is so cool. And um, you know, even on like your website and you have your separate Instagram as well for your artwork, which is so beautiful. And you have Grace Kelly, you have all the icons up there. And even whenever I, I like pop onto your Instagram page, it does lift me up because I'm seeing these icons, these stunning women looking unapologetically beautiful because they, yeah, like, they don't feel the need to say, I'm going to take off my crown because a man can't carry the weight of it. No, I'm a strong woman. <laughs> I'm, I'm like struggling not to like just clap loudly and <laughs> ruin everyone's eardrums. I love that so much. I love that. And yeah, it was subconscious for so long. And everyone's like, why do you only draw beautiful women? I'm like, I don't draw just, you know, typically beautiful women. I draw whoever I think is beautiful. But there's some strength in them. There's some resilience in them. And it's not just about how they look for me. Like, like you say, it's those strong icons. And I, I draw strength from them. I really do. Like after spending 18 hours, like drawing the perfect hairs on Grace Kelly's head, like I feel like I've just gained some fabulosity. <laughs> also to anyone who doesn't know Holly, she looks like Elsa from Frozen. So um, <laughs> she also is so beautiful, by the way, but you'll definitely see her Instagram because I'll be linking it below in the show notes. You're too kind. In fact, it's funny you should say the Elsa from Frozen thing because one of my friends is like, if the art thing doesn't work out, you could always do kids' birthday parties and just be Elsa. <laughs> And paint their face as well. Win-win. Exactly. <laughs> so Holly, you got then, so we talked before about your e-commerce, okay? And you said you weren't sure. And I mean, when I was first setting up this podcast, I too had to find a podcast hosting site, all the rest of it, which I could definitely get into in an episode someday. There is a, a good bit of information behind it. But you were looking to sell your art on an e-commerce platform. Could you tell us a bit about that and how you got to, to where you are now with maybe how comfortable you are with the orders, you know, the payment, all of that? That's a really good question. Um, this was the thing I was most uncertain about and I'm a big believer in if you don't have a huge amount of knowledge on it, if you can pay someone who has the knowledge to help you, great, or find an amazing um, platform that does it for you. So um, I wish this is sponsored, but it isn't. <laughs> but I use Squarespace because it is genuinely, I think, the best when it comes to um, e-commerce, particularly for art. So 
that was just the easiest thing. Um, and you just instantly can have a shop on it. It was like as, in, as easy as starting an Instagram profile. It was genuinely that easy. You have to get verified and all that's not hard to do. But um, in terms of the content and knowing what to sell and how big and all that kind of stuff, you get guided very easily through that. So I think it's nearly a myth that you need knowledge to sell online. I don't think you need to. What, what's helpful to know is what people would like to buy. And I suppose doing the shows, um, doing the exhibitions and the festivals, I just got to chatting with so many people and I saw what people reached for and I saw people gravitated towards and it was always a massive surprise. So if you can at all beta test before you go up online, great. If your product is physical, like mine is, luckily it's tangible. So, you know, I can send out postcards to a gift shop and ask, can they stock my stuff? And they'll at least get to hold it in their hand and see if they like it first. Um, but I kind of just listened to people. Also because I was kind of shy at first, you know, chatting to people at shows and I, I turned it back on them. I was like, well, what do you like? What do you like about this? And I learned so much from what people uh, reached for. So when it came to e-commerce, I kind of was confident on which pieces to focus on. And I kind of said, mm, I know people aren't going to buy paintings off my website. Now, I shouldn't probably say that because that's not my focus. And if I was really thinking like the secret and manifestation, I would be focusing on trying to. But I said, I'll start with prints because they're relatively cheap. I know how to make them. And I know that's what people pick up at shows. So I just focused on prints. And that's kind of what I did. Um, it's really that simple. I don't know very much about e-commerce at all. I, <laughs> I literally just focus on the things that I like the most, listen to what other people like and just where to sell it, which for me, I think Squarespace is one of the best places. There's many others, but that makes it easy for me. Who doesn't have much knowledge? <laughs> no, Holly, great. Like the, even the fact that you're saying, guys, my forte is being an artist. My forte isn't doing like UX design or, you know, building a website. So I want to use my skill set and, you know, rely on outsourcing to people who are better at that. And then, yeah, I'm putting your energy into the art, which is, is great. Um, so Holly, right. I have a few more questions before we wrap up. I don't want to be eating the ear off you all evening, even though I'm sure I'd love to. <laughs> so what would you tell your 18-year-old self that first day at NCAG after that, that old man with the beard absolutely <laughs> made you feel about two centimeters tall? What would you tell that poor girl crying right now? I would tell her that Dita Von Tees quote, <laughs> which is, you can be the loveliest, prettiest, juiciest peach, but there's still someone out there who doesn't like peaches. It, what other people think of you is none of your business. And when people are judging your art, they don't think, they don't realize that you think they're, they're judging you. You know, it's not a personal attack. I think as artists, because we pour our heart onto the page, we think, you know, we, we just, we lay ourselves bare in, in our work that when people don't like it, we take it so personally. I would say, <laughs> I give myself a little bit of tough love and I would say just tough enough. Don't take it personally. If you're going to get through this, you can cry, 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 stay in the bathroom, avoid your lectures, and you're actually cheating yourself out of the experience. I think my emotional immaturity meant that I didn't really get the full experience out of it, whereas other kids were thriving. And um, because I wallowed a little bit and I stayed to myself, I think I could have learned an awful lot more. But um, 
you know, not to beat myself down, what I lacked in terms of getting through the college experience, I made up for in the grind myself. And I would also say that, you know, talent, <laughs> what is it? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. No matter how talented you are, you need to work every single day at it every single day like and that's what I ended up doing um but I would mainly just want my little 18 year old self in tears to know <laughs> that it's okay like you know you're you're gonna fail at things you need to be okay with that and um no one can stop you from putting your pretty pictures on the wall it's up to you what you want to what you want to do in life <laughs> no one can stop you <laughs> Holly, I feel so empowered. Like now I want to go draw pretty pictures and stick them up all over the wall and be like, yeah, Holly told me, Holly told me. I want to see your peppers and onions. <laughs> oh, my mother, honestly, she wants to get, she probably throw them out. No, she didn't. They're probably like stuffed under my bed. <laughs> Holly, I think I would tell your 18 year old self, you represent strong women. So stand up. Shoulders back because you got this, honey. I love that. Oh my god, if only you had been my tutor, Jess. <laughs> I've only no, I was a tutor in college and I was tutoring financial reporting, so it definitely wasn't as sexy as being an art tutor. That's for sure. <laughs> you can make anything look sexy, girl. Trust me. <laughs> here's a T account, here's a debit, and here's a credit. So, Holly, right, last question before I let you go. What is next for Holly? Oh my God, this is not a question I expected, Jess. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, what I want to do, I've, I, I had too many ideas, too many goals on my vision board. I've, I've made it just one. So I suppose no better time to put it out there in the universe. I wrote this before lockdown happened. <laughs> I just wrote on a post-it, get paintings into restaurants. <laughs> I'm just dying to you know, style a space with my own work and make bespoke artwork for venues, really go big with the artwork. And then the dream would be hopefully to edition prints that just make me money while I sleep so that I can focus on making the work that matters to me, represent those strong women, you know? <laughs> Holly, I don't know about anyone else. And I hope as soon as they listen to this, I feel so light, so full of energy and so ready to like, I want to go back to my notebook now and write down more goals because I, even though it's a Thursday at 7 p.m., it's lashing rain. Uh, I want to go for a walk, like pound the pavements, you know? I love it. I love the energy so much. I hope everyone else feels it too because I'm just like, <laughs> no, they definitely do. <laughs> so, Holly, where can everyone find you? And tell us all where we can find you. So, the website is hollyartist.com, all one word, and it's Holly Christine underscore artist on instagram perfect holly i'll pop those links in the show notes so everyone can find you thank you so i'm actually i can't even say thank you i was like oh thank you so much for coming and speaking with me and sharing your incredible story thank you so much jess and i'm just amazed at what you're doing i think if the concept of this is incredible you know down to the specifics people are going to take so much from this and i just can't wait to see what it turns into because it's so special holly thank you so there you have it holly's incredible story i learned so much during this episode so i hope you did too and even her personality and her bubbly nature, it was just such a pleasure to listen to. 
So I hope you leave this feeling full of inspiration and equipped with the knowledge to follow your dream and create the impossible like Holly. On next week's show, we have another incredible guest. Again, I know I'm biased, but please do not miss out on this one because you will want to hear the story on how they took that first step to creating another incredible business. So see you next Monday, guys. Have a lovely week. Please subscribe, rate, and give me feedback on this podcast to help it grow. Until then, bye-bye.